ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring, bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. Live from beautiful downtown Lexington. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. Well, cloudy, overcast Sunday. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call and join in on the conversation. You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. On today's show, around 930 or so, our old friend Farrell Elliott of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship will join us. And we'll discuss the world of fantasy football and let you know how you could be crowned the Kentucky State Champion and cash a check of over $15,000 in the process. That's cash in the ticket, baby. NBA Finals get back into action tonight. We have a strong view on that one. We will discuss. Our College of Football handicapping knowledge continues. Yesterday, we went over the best coaches in college football to cash tickets out in the desert. Who are the best coaches in the NFL? Of the top three, you probably can guess two, but one will be a big surprise. We'll have details. And, of course, the most profitable segment at Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Sunday edition of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. As always, we thank you so much for listening. But first, a must-win game. The All-Star Game is often reason uh, is often the midseason of Miss, uh, Major League Baseball, but it's a little more than halfway usually. The Reds will be at 90 games out of 162 after today's game. And today's final game before the All-Star break might be a little bigger for the Reds than usual this year. This game will determine whether the Reds go into the break at four games out of a division lead or six games out. Is there a difference? Oh, it's only two games. Only two games, huh? Okay. Well, ask the people uh, in September how much two-game advantage is. But on this show, we hate cliches like, it's a must-win game. Why? Because they're dumb. Cliches like, a must-win game. Oh, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just here to help the ball club. Got to play them one day at a time. Phrases like that, personally, they just drive me up a wall. Those little cliches, they don't help me cash tickets out in the desert. It's good for players to tell that to placate the media. Great for them, but it doesn't help me handicap a games. And if I'm trying to handicap a game, I don't care what somebody said in the media about it being a must-win game. In fact, if I hear a cliche like that, I am immediately looking to go against whoever said that. There's one time that someone told me, that Team A was going to beat Team B because Team A was more fired up than Team B. My reply was, are you telling me that the other team isn't fired up too? And do you think the odds makers out in the desert put up numbers based on who they think is more fired up? Flawed logic, crazy talk, to say the least. But today of all days, a Sunday afternoon in mid-July, might actually be something of a must-win game for the Reds. Because it might just determine 
what they will be doing as a franchise going forward. But this coming week is annually the worst week of the calendar year for the sports investor like I am and probably a lot of you out there are too. Usually, you only have the All-Star game, which includes the Home Run Derby now, and that's it. At least the COVID pushed back the NBA Finals this week, and they very intelligently put Game 4 of the Finals on Wednesday night to keep everything going smoothly and something happening every night now. I hope they keep the NBA Finals this late going forward, but I don't see that happening. But as with anything else in life, the All-Star game doesn't mean the same thing anymore. Because when I was a kid back in the 80s, the All-Star game was pretty cool. And the best part was the introductions of the players before the game. Because back in olden times, and I'm rubbing my chin now, because every time you have a flashback, you've got to rub your chin and look up in the air with this kind of look on your face. Like you don't know what you're smelling. When I was a kid, you got the Braves on TBS. You had the Cubs on WGN. The Saturday afternoon game of the week on NBC. Monday night baseball, ABC. And locally here in central Kentucky, the Reds, out of the goodness of their hearts, would show about 30 to 40 road games a season locally around here. And the Reds, never they never showed any home games because they wanted you to pay your money and drive to the game yourself. But we'll never show those games on TV because you won't go to those games. Well, as we learned, uh, it doesn't matter if you show them on TV or not. You're going to get probably the same attendance anyway. Brilliant. But that was it. That's all we got back in the day. We had no YouTube highlights, no updates sent to our smartphones, no internet to check box scores. Of course, my own personal favorite, the USA Today, the first internet, which was the best thing ever for a nerd like me when I was a kid. But otherwise, we might as well have been using carrier pigeons to deliver us the results. But we got to see these players introduced before the All-Star game. Players you've never heard of and never seen before. Guys like you know, who played in the American League West that you wouldn't see around here. Who are these players for the Texas Rangers and the Seattle Mariners? I couldn't pick them out of a police lineup. There they are in the All-Star game. You finally got to see them. And the Reds were rebels during these All-Star games, just going against the man, keeping them down. Pete Rose ran over Ray Fossey, a guy he had dinner with earlier in that week. Back in the day, the Reds always had a stupid rule. You had to wear black shoes. And they were the last team to enforce a crazy rule like that. But when the Reds made an all-star game, oh, they wore these bright white shoes just to stick it to the Reds' management. But also, like everything else in Major League Baseball these days, the all-star game doesn't seem as big anymore. We can see every player anytime we want. We've got immediate access to box scores and highlights. Years ago, we wouldn't know who a guy out on the West Coast was like Mike Trout because he never made the playoffs. He would be anonymous to us. And today we know exactly who he is. We've even got interleague play now. So the battle between the American and the National League, it doesn't even matter now. When I was a kid, I would play Nintendo RBI Baseball, the video game. The first sports video game that actually used names of players and gave them their attributes. So for my money, that little RBI Baseball game was the best video game series of all time. Although I could hear Tech Mobile people yelling Bo Jackson from here. But at least the real All-Star game, you'd see these guys that were on this video game that you couldn't pick out of a police lineup otherwise. Guys like Al Pedrique, Bill Schroeder, Kevin Seitzer. 
guys, you can finally put the faces to these names. It was a much more in, innocent and antiquated time, indeed. But this All-Star game, this All-Star break, means a lot to the Reds, especially today's game. If the Reds win today, they'll be four games out. If they lose, which the desert says they will, they'll be six games out. You could say the games mean more in September than they do in July, but I disagree. That's only in mind, only in perception, only in cliche world. The game today counts as one game. Games in September count as one game. But if you want to use conventional wisdom and the eye test, being four games out just feels and seems like a lot less than six. So today's game is a big game for both the Cincinnati Reds and the Milwaukee Brewers. So while you're watching the All-Star game this week and reminiscing about the good old days, like most people do when it comes, they come to uh, baseball, just like the Reds, they have two All-Star game starters for the first time in a very long time. Also remember, we might be seeing the final days in a Reds uniform for Nick Castellanos. Because if the Reds drop a few more games before the trade deadline at the end of this month, yeah, he might be gone. And he'll certainly be gone at the end of the year if he stays anywhere close to his current statistical pace. So even though it's only one of 162, today's game will go a long way into the, whether the Reds are buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. So in other words, it might actually be a must-win game for the Reds and the Reds' management. I don't know which team is more fired up today. But as I know deep in my heart, there is no tomorrow. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Yesterday, as we kind of predicted here on this show, the Reds pulled off a big upset out in the desert by defeating the Brewers 4-3 to in the type of game that teams look back on at the end of the season and remember as key moments in a playoff run. The Reds must be listening to this show all the time. And why wouldn't they? Nobody else talks the Reds like we do around here. The Reds must listen to this show because we've been killing who we've been killing on this show this season. Two factions of the Reds. The bullpen, Eugenio Suarez. Well, the Reds' bullpen gave up a two-run lead in the eighth yesterday. Lather, Ritz, repeat on that. But Eugenio Suarez won the game with a home run off the best closer in Major League Baseball, Josh Hader, in the ninth inning yesterday. Of course, it was opposite field. He was trying to pull it because he tries to pull everything to left, but that's okay. He hit it to right. Doesn't matter. We talked about how great the bull, the, Breer, the, the Brewers' bullpen, say that five times. We talked about how great the Brewers' bullpen has been this season, and they have been, but Josh Hader didn't lose a game or blow a save all season until this week. And Hader blew a game against the Mets on Wednesday and another one yesterday. So he's had such a terrible week that his ERA has now ballooned up to 1.01 after giving it up twice this week. But we don't think Hader's on the trading block just yet. But I will say this. Josh Hader's pitched three of the last four games for the Brewers, so the likelihood of him pitching today, very remote. That's good news for the Reds. Speaking of closers, Heath Hembry, he did it again. For the Reds yesterday. Five saves already in the month of July, which is only 10 days old. 
He's getting one every other day, literally. Like we said yesterday, Heath Hebry, 32 years old, an ERA of nine last year with both the Red Sox and the Phillies. And he hasn't had an ERA of under four in a full season since 2016. If you're counting on him long term, history says it might be a bad idea. But he's hot right now. And that's all that matters until the Reds get TJ Antone and Lucas Sims back and hopefully make some moves to shore up that bullpen if they want to compete in September. But it's amazing what one game could do for a team's chances out in the desert. Yesterday, we talked about the Reds' playoff chances. 12% to win the National League Central. 20% to make the playoffs. Well, after yesterday's big win over a division rival in a game they were not supposed to win, the Reds now sit with a 16% chance to win the National League Central and a 25% chance of making the playoffs. Huh. 25%. A 1-4 in four chance, huh? Of course, a loss today against the Brewers will knock those chances back down. But if you're Reds management, you have to ask yourself, do we really want to sell players off this team if we still have a 25% chance of getting to the postseason? Is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak? That's a question for Reds management. We might be afraid of that answer. But today, in a game you can hear right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5 at 140 this afternoon, it's the fourth and final game of this series and a good pitching matchup with both teams' opening day starters going for each team. Luis Castillo for the Reds, 3-10 and 10 on the year, but an improving 4.81 ERA. Brandon Woodruff, one of our favorites as well, goes for the Brewers, 7-4, and four, but a 2.10 ERA. And like Charles Dickens said, it's a tale of two seasons for Luis Castillo, I don't know how often Charles Dickens gets referenced in Lexington Sports Talk Radio, but we are the show to do stuff like that. In his first 10 starts of the season, Castillo was the worst starting pitcher in Major League Baseball with a 7.61 ERA, and the Reds were 1-9 in those 10 games. Yuck. But in his last eight starts, Castillo has flipped everything around. Last eight starts, Castillo, ERA. 2.16 2.16 in 50 innings. But even in this impressive run, the Reds are only 4-4 four and four in those eight starts. Even though Castillo has seemingly found the fountain of youth from days gone by. Castillo has made three starts against the Brewers this season. Hasn't ended well. Personally, he's 0-2 with a 4.08 ERA. But the last time Castillo faced Milwaukee was June 15th. Castillo went seven innings, allowing zero runs in a no decision that the Reds eventually won. So even with his recent upturn in productivity, Castillo, the second worst pitcher in all of Major League Baseball out in the desert, behind some schlep named Jorge Lopez of the god-awful Orioles, who's 2-12 and on the season. This season, if you had put $1 down every time Luis Castillo had taken the mound, you'd be down $8.70. Yikes. Fire up them ramen noodles before we can. The Reds are at 5-13 when Castillo starts. The Brewers today send one of our favorite pitchers to the mound, Brandon Woodruff, who's been a lot different than Castillo this year. 7-4, but a 2.10 ERA. His ERA plus 198. 
That means he's 98% better than the average pitcher in Major League Baseball. That's very good. But Woodruff hasn't been his best of late. In his last four starts, Woodruff, a 4.07 ERA. But of course, upon further review, one of those starts was at Colorado. So, got to take it as it is. But somehow, the Reds haven't faced Woodruff all season. While Castillo will be making his fourth start against Milwaukee today. But also, unlike Castillo, Woodruff has been a cash cow in the desert. The Brewers, 12-5 when Woodruff starts this year. Return on investment, 25.6%. Very, very good. And that includes a 7-1 record in home starts, which Woodruff is today. Woodruff and the Brewers, a minus 160 in this one. And signs point to this line going up to the 165-170 range before first pitch. That's too much for us if you want to take the Brewers. The Reds have some value today, but it's not like the incredible plus 200 or more value that you had yesterday. That line last night just kept going up for the Brewers. It was closer to minus 220 by first pitch, and the Reds pulled that out. Big ticket for those who backed the Reds yesterday. It's also doubtful either closer. Hayter or Hembry will pitch today. Hayter's pitched three of the last four games for the Brewers. Heath Hembry has gone two straight and four out of five for the Reds. Didn't David Bell learn anything with T.J. Antone? Sheesh. This, let's just ruin his arm, too, just like we did T.J. Antone. We got one guy in the bullpen who's doing well. Let's just pitch him every day. So get rid of those two closers. The Brewers' bullpen is dominant over the Reds. The Reds have the value today, but it's not Mac Daddy Stogie worthy in this must-win game. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Coming up after the break. You you know what's coming up. It's the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's next, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. Still in shock we got that voiceover thing coming into these breaks now. Big time here at the bottom line. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday. Just looked at the uh, numbers out in the desert. Lots of tickets, lots of cash, over 70%. On the Brewers today, that's a good sign for the Reds if you're a fade-the-public kind of guy like we are. But today, right now, you know what's coming up. You know what's here. It's the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks presented by Jake Cigar Bar. How do we celebrate cashing a ticket out in the desert? Oh, you already know. With a Mac Daddy Stogie from Jake Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing. Look him up online, jakecigarbar.com, and tell our friends Jake and Autumn that the bottom line sent you, and you'll get that VIP treatment. That's jakescigarbar.com. Usually this is the worst week of the year uh, coming up if uh, you're a sports investor like we are. If it wasn't for the NBA Finals getting pushed back due to the COVID, uh, we wouldn't have anything for the next five days other than a Major League All-Star game and a home run derby. So in other words, it's a good week for a sports investor. Pay your dues to the family. Get the honeydew list done. Punch in that time clock uh, with them for the next few days so you can invest in sports the next 301 days after this week. Got to have your priorities in order, if you know what I mean. But tonight, Game 3 of the NBA Finals. You can hear that right here on ESPN Radio 1392.5, 7 o'clock. Suns lead the series 2-0. Phoenix took care of business, first two games, winning and covering out in the Arizona as home favorites. Now we go back to Milwaukee. Line opened here. Bucks minus four. 
A lot of places you can see four. Some places have gone up to four and a half. So you might, if you want Milwaukee like we do tonight, you might want to get them early. That was a good rule of thumb. If you want to take a favorite, get them early. If you want to wait and take a dog, get them right before game time. Just It doesn't happen. It doesn't work out for the best all the time. But a majority of the time, that's the way you should play. That's the way we play it. Uh, here's a trend for you. The Bucks have a lot of value coming off a blowout loss because they're losing. Uh, when a team loses by 10 or more points in these playoffs, that team that lost hits 57% against the spread. That's over the last 15 years. Here's another trend for this year. Short playoff favorites, minus five or less. That's Milwaukee. They're hitting 63% this postseason, 34 and 20. And here's another trend that we like early in this game, and it's been used quite a bit. We use it all the time. We're going to use it tonight, too. The Bucks matched one of our favorite uh, first quarter wise guy systems uh, that features the desperate team that's down 0-2 going back home. They always like to start out well. They've got to get off to a good start. They've got to let people know, hey, we're not done yet. We're not dead yet. Typically, these desperate teams come out just firing on their home court in game three. So, yeah, we're going to lean on the Bucks tonight. We're going to take the Bucks in the game. Heck, we're going to take them in the first quarter, too. Or just based on that fact alone, Bucks tonight is the play. Total's 222. The over's gone uh, over twice in this series in the total. And again, the public's on that, so we don't see a whole lot of value there. We're taking the Bucks tonight, minus four, and in the first quarter for you a uh, little pizza money on that one, too. So, yeah, there you go. And as we've talked about all season, of course, the favorites, 51 and 36 against the spread in these playoffs. So, yeah, this is the way, this is where we're going. And we talked about it yesterday. If you still think the Suns are going to win this series, and we're still on board with that, if you're going to play the Suns for the series, play the MVP instead. Play Chris Paul or Devin Booker. You're going to get a lot better odds because instead of laying double the money, you're going to have to delay minus 450, minus 500. You want Phoenix, you get Chris Paul about minus 120, 25, something like that. And, of course, you try talking the big blue nation out of taking Devin Booker to win the MVP of the finals. Yeah. Just saying, I get a lot of flack every time I insult Devin Booker on this show. I'm not insulting him. I'm insulting Calipari for benching him against Wisconsin. That's what we're doing on this show. Neither here nor there. But other than the NBA Finals this week, we've got the Major League All-Star stuff. Uh, home Run Derby Monday night. Shohei Otani, he's the favorite. There's a shocker. He's only got, what, 33 home runs already? Yeah. If I was taking anyone in this one, let's go Trevor Story. If Todd Frazier can win a Home Run Derby in Cincinnati, Trevor Story can win it at Coors. Of course, that's just speculation. But is there any kind of trend we can play in this all-star game? Because Lord knows, nothing else is going on sports-wise this week. we got to have some action. Well, the road teams, uh, the road leagues, I guess, they're 9-7 and seven in these all-star games. That's a decent return on investment. But if you really want to play an all-star game, go under the total. You've got hitters who are just kind of mailing it in, pitchers who are only pitching one inning at a time, the under, the last 16 All-Star games, the under, the total, has hit 75%, 12-4. and So if you're bored this week, during the worst sports week of the year, eh, put a flyer on the under in this All-Star game and just root for pitching and, like we do, root for human failure. That's our favorite uh, thing to do. But uh, we talk about the uh, College of uh, Football Handicapping Knowledge. The NFL, Sunday is an NFL day. We've got uh, Fantasy Football Talk with Farrell Elliott coming up right after the break. But who are the best coaches in the NFL to back out in the desert? Who are the top three? Uh-huh. Yeah, the first two are easy, right? Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah, he hits. Uh, he hits he, 
he's got an 18.2% return on investment. Sean Payton, 10.3%. Do you know who's third? It's Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Vikings. Bill Belichick, did he cover all those games with Tom Brady? Yeah. Did he cover them without him too? Yeah. Belichick hit 54%, 54.3% without Tom Brady. So it's not like he doesn't cash you tickets either. What about Sean Payton? He had uh, Drew Brees all those years. Uh-huh. When Drew Brees didn't play for Sean Payton, Sean Payton went 9-3 and three against the spread. That's really good. But who is Mike Zimmer of Minnesota? Who's been his quarterbacks? Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum. That's a guy who can coach right there. Mike Zimmer in his career, 66-45-1 against the point spread. That's a 15.7% return on investment. I don't hear any Hall of Fame quarterbacks like Tom Brady or Drew Brees playing for Mike Zimmer. I hear a bunch of losers like Sam Bradford. Uh-huh. Belichick Payton? Yeah, you got Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Mike Zimmer of the Vikings? He does not. To me, that's a sign of a good coach. You always hear about Mike Zimmer. He might be fired. If I'm a general manager of a team, he gets fired. That's one of the first phone calls I make. Why? He's covered point spreads with lousy quarterbacks. Oh, by the way, the Bengals opened their season up against the Vikings week one. Look out. There you go. Coming up after the break, uh, would you like to win a ton of money this fall playing fantasy football? Then you'll want to listen to our good friend Farrell Elliott of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. His information can be found kffsc.com. That's coming up after the break right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Nothing says Sunday morning like Led Zeppelin to start off. And nothing says Sunday morning like our next guest. He is the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship where you can win big prizes and the title of Kentucky Fantasy Football State Champion. Drafts are be will be held live at the Hard Rock Casino in Cincinnati on August 15th and at Caesars Southern Indiana Casino on the weekend of August 27th through the 29th. And you can draft teams online all throughout the month of August. You can look everything up at kffsc.com. He's the commissioner himself. He's Farrell Elliott. Farrell, thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning, Brad. How are you? Ready to talk a little football? I am ready to talk a little football. When it, uh, The 4th of July, usually a good watermark point, to, for me anyway, to start looking at fantasy football for the season. And you look at these magazines, these magazines, and I know this from writing for magazines before, they get printed, you know, you have to have your columns kind of in April, May, right after the draft. Then they go to print. So by the time these drafts take place, they're three, four months old. Are there any trends that have been happening in drafts that you've seen to maybe differ from the things that were going on about two or three months ago? You know, Brad, there, there certainly are. And, and the magazines, you're right. They, they become extinct with the top reportings that we have around the league and the day-to-day changes. Yeah, their, their lifespan is, is very short-lived. And but still, we all go buy one. How fascinating it is! I, I, I did it, it myself. Yeah, I, I'm going to resist this year. But when August rolls around, I, I'll buy one and maybe you know. Just, but that's beside the point. Trends, you know, there are some. The quarterback spread still in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship are later drafted players. We allow for four points per touchdown in our league. If you're in a six point touchdown league. Uh, per quarterback, you know, in some of your home leagues, they'll move up the board. But quarterbacks still are a late draft. There's a concept in drafting this year, Brad, called stacking. 
and the people are talking about it more often, an opportunity to get or stack a variety of players from the same teams. And, and you know, they're very popular stacks. Dallas Cowboys, where you can, you can walk away in the first round with Ezekiel Elliott and later add Cooper and uh, wide receiver C.D. Lamb. Uh, in the three and four rounds, uh, and and then uh, take your shot with Dak Prescott later in uh, six, seven, and eight. So that's just an example, and there are certain teams that lead themselves uh, to stacking, and that's becoming a, a uh, an interesting trend, especially when the team you are stacking has a favorable schedule in championship weeks. Championship weeks in the KFFSC for us are weeks 12 through 13. And then our main event championships, weeks 14 through 17. You know, you bring up a really good point with stacking. Because, you know, if you get a running back and a receiver from the same team, let's say, you know, they get shut out one week. Now you're in probably, Mm -hmm. you're in a lot of trouble. But the thing is, maybe a quarterback and a receiver where they can hook up with each other. That's a 10-point play if you get a touchdown right there. Six-point touchdown, four-point pass. But if you have the running back on the same team, it's like somebody's getting left out every time. I never was a guy. That, Go ahead. Well, if that, yeah, and you're exactly right, Brad. Now, if that running back can catch passes and stay on the field when the team trails, right. or if you think the team is going to score points, but their defense is going to, in turn, give up points, then you're in for a consideration. Uh, a late stack might be the Indianapolis Colts, but they don't fit that prescription. They have a very solid defense. So teams that are going to have to score and keep their defense off the field. Dallas, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, to a lesser degree, and what was oddly realized uh, last year was the poor defensive play of the Minnesota Vikings. And they have prolific uh, weapons at the running back, wide receiver, and to a lesser extent, the quarterback position. You know, uh, another trend, Brad, and I know one that you are tuned into, uh, in your personal drafting is a dual-threat quarterback, the guys that can beat you with the feet. And when those quarterbacks do come off the board, those appear to be the guys that are coming off first. Tom Brady, classic uh, in-the-pocket touchdown-throwing quarterbacks, are giving up the position, despite the fact that Brady will throw 40 or 50 touchdowns. He's not in the top uh, eight or nine uh, quarterbacks that go off the board. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, along with Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You can find his information, kffsc.com. You talked about the quarterbacks, and I see a lot of them going early, especially those dual threats, like you say, the Kyler Murrays, Lamar Jacksons, Josh Allens. Are they really worth your investment maybe in the first half of these drafts because I know a lot of people last year who took quarterbacks really late, and you talked about this a minute ago. I know I was in a league, Aaron Rodgers went 14th round or something like that. And that's how you kind of, when you get value late, that's how you can really make a way, especially in a league like the KFFSC. Oh, brother, you are uh, preaching to the choir on that one because I agree 100% with you. However, many people like to project who the next uh, Kyler Murray will be. And Kyler Murray, despite any of your rules uh, in, in playing uh, fantasy football and what you award the quarterback, Kyler Murray was one of the better-performing quarterbacks last year. Uh, so I, I think you can solve this by uh, running through your quarterbacks. You'll be surprised when you look at the schedules and you begin to match uh, two quarterbacks. And I would rather have two 
with positive schedules throughout the season, the best I can uh, best I can attempt to project now. And I'd like to have those two quarterbacks on my team rather than than paying that steep price for uh, some of the early quarterbacks. And you know, one of the quarterbacks that has that is going in front of our forty to fifty touchdown Tom Brady uh, is uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, right. uh, who uh, who only is. Uh, uh, played in six games last year and was erratic in those games, but people remember his three touchdown uh, rushing performance in one of them, and, and are very uh, intrigued by that. And it's it's different because you talk about upside. You know all these cliches you hear on the real NFL mm-hmm. draft day. A guy like maybe a Carson Wentz, and it's ironic to compare these two. Carson Wentz, you kind of know what you're going to get, even if he goes to Indianapolis and succeeds. But with Jalen Hurts, and you talked about his running ability. Sky's the limit in terms of potential and things you can talk about in terms of point value and fantasy. But if I look at these rookies, it's a lot of times you're throwing darts at these rookies. The quarterbacks are one thing. You're going to get them if you want them. You can get them late in these drafts. But these rookies, Najee Harris, I look out in the desert. The favorites for rookie of the year in the desert, Najee Harris 10-1, to Kyle Pitts 12-1. to But yet I see those these guys going really early in these drafts followed by a bunch of wide receivers. Is this how they're being drafted in uh, KFFSC leagues as well? That's exactly right. And Harris is the first rookie off the board, and it's expectation from what the team must get from that draft pick. There's several first-round draft picks with the expectations in the situation much, much lower than those guys. But Najee Harris, Kyle Pitts uh, are the... uh, uh, are truly the gold standard of rookie players uh, coming off the board to make uh, a contribution uh, for their team and, and consequently for their fantasy team. You know, Brad, I would encourage drafters that look at the rest of uh, the first round, the second round, the top drafted players, guys that you see landing in good situations, the best way that you can evaluate them. For instance, a Elijah Moore remains a top wide receiver pick, and I think that's a fairly good pick. But I would go back to look at the previous year's rookie class and try to understand what didn't work and how they can bring uh, a value to your fantasy team as well as their NFL team in 2021. Guys uh, uh, like Henry Ruggs comes to mind. Uh, guys like the receiver Jefferson with the Rams, should he uh, be on the field in front of Deshaun Jackson, which I think he will be. Those guys uh, have invested draft capital, and they're not to be forgotten. It shows how much fantasy football has changed. We, there used to be a rule 15, 20 years ago, the third-year wide receiver breakout. And you'd see mm-hmm. these first-round receivers who were taken, and the first two years they'd given you nothing. And then you, people would want to get those guys in the third year because a lot of times they would really produce in the third year. That's how long it took these receivers to start producing – but the league has changed and the world has changed. You can't wait three years on a receiver anymore. So these rookie, rookie wide receivers, where are they going in these drafts? These Alabama guys, uh, the kid from LSU that's with the Bengals, where are these guys going in the draft, and can they be counted on to be starters for your team? Yes, and Jamar Chase out of that group is is holding his yeah. value as, as one of the first ones to come off the board. The others, uh, the Kadarius Tony, who's a player that we talked about pre-draft, uh, back in uh, the spring. It's a player that I have great admiration for, but he went to the New York Giants, and people are confused about that. So he's he's actually dropped. And you take those uh, two players going into the NFL draft, and you really couldn't separate them. Rondell Moore uh, went, went later in the draft uh, out of uh, Purdue, 
and he's in Arizona, and it's a big, big question mark, but people can't figure out uh, the Arizona Cardinals. And so they look at a player with that skill set, and they're willing to take that risk. So they're all throughout the draft, but you're exactly right. Jamar Chase is, is holding uh, holding up as a top wide receiver to, to come out of uh, uh, the Chase, Higgins, and Tyler Boyd group, which people expect great things of uh, coming up this year. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, along with Farrell Elliott of the KFFSC. Make sure to check his website out, kffsc.com. I've always lived by an old adage that you cannot win your fantasy league in the first round, but you sure can lose it if you make the wrong choice. <laughs> this first There round, are no wrong choices to be made now. Our, uh, our good friend, we'll give a shout-out to old Justin McCord. Brad had a birthday this weekend. Justin McCord said, you know what? My team I drafted in the big payback, one of our leagues that we have in addition to the main event, said my team I drafted really looked good until the season started. And you look at that. You look at that first round uh, group of players coming off the board now, and what's going to get in some of their ways is injury. What's going to get in some of their problematic aspects is uh, uh, the poor performance by the teammates around them. Tough schedules uh, out of the box. You know, in the NFL, it's now a 17-week season, but in the KFFSC, it's an 11 to 13-week regular season, and you've got to make it count. And you've got to make it count early. And those are all things that you should look at uh, as you apply yourself to a first-round player. We've watched uh, Saquon Barkley uh, continue to drop, who was a perennial number two player last year. You cannot move Christian McCaffrey off of that first pick, no matter who they put around him. Alvin Kamara still holds in the middle of the first round. And Travis Kelsey moves up and up and up the first tight end to be taken off the board. Is that something you agree with, Kelsey being a first-round pick in your league? People want to have that player on this team. Like if you play three or four teams with us and you say, I really, really don't want to go through the season. We have no team uh, that has uh, Travis Kelsey on it. Then you're going to pick him in the first round. You're going to pick him in the middle part because that's just about what you're going to have to spend for him. So I don't disagree with it. It continues how you build the rest of the 19 players around it. You've got, uh, You've got to be attentive, knowledgeable. You know, we're going to give you a great format to play in and, and great great players to compete against. Uh, but you've got to be knowledgeable, not for one round or, or single-digit rounds, but you must be knowledgeable throughout the entire draft to put together a championship team. Speaking of these tight ends, Darren Waller, George Kittle, where are they going in these drafts, and are they worthy of being a second, third-round pick because – just because Travis Kelsey is worthy of the first-round pick doesn't mean these guys should be pick, picked in the second or third round. I think Waller is, uh, based on how he may improve in the situation. I think we talked a little bit about that in other shows, so we won't go deep into uh, that situation. But Waller, uh, you might look at his stats and say, how can he do more? Uh, he can do more based on what the team needs from him. Uh, in in uh, the, the other polar opposite is Kittle in the situation that the team requires a lot of activity from him, and he's wired to be a player that's one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. He has to do so many things that catching the ball is only one of them. I'll move Kittle back down the list. Pitts comes next. Uh, Hawkinson uh, uh, at Detroit has remained his value despite 
the quarterback change, and uh, uh, then it ends up with uh, uh, Edwards at uh, at Baltimore, and that that rounds out your uh, your top tight ends. And and I would rather wait uh, probably uh, to that that mid group uh, instead of uh, taking Kittle for those reasons. But you you gotta love watching Kittle play. Yeah. play football because whether he catches the ball or not, he's in on every play. Do you factor head coaching and maybe more importantly, offensive coordinators when you're putting together your draft list, Farrell? I do. And you know, one of the things that happened and you can watch free agency and watch free agency early. If you saw what happened at Los Angeles, uh, the talent that moved up the coast as uh, uh, Shane Waldron, who was the quarterback coach, moved to Seattle where he now runs the offense, the offense coordinator, uh, two days into free agency. Uh, it, it was announced that uh, tight end Everett moves from the Rams uh, to Seattle, and that's what you want to look at, a team that invests in a player uh, to get some uh, coaching change that gets some return. You know, there's uh, a situation in uh, Los Angeles Chargers where Coach Lombardi, moved uh, from uh, New Orleans and is now the offensive coordinator with the Chargers. And he says, I have seen what we have done in New Orleans with Alvin Kamara, and then Austin Eckler's role will look more like that. So that's got to get you excited about Austin Eckler because you know that he can answer almost anything that the team asks for him. So, yes, coaching changes are most important, and probably the, the team that I'm looking most forward to seeing uh, is what is going to happen uh, down in Atlanta. We've got a, a a coach that wants to use a variety of uh, different targets, especially at the slot position, and we talk about Kyle Pitts being a tight end, but is he really one? I expect him to move in the offense, be a motion player, uh, at best be a move tight end, but really look and play more like a slot receiver, and I think people are banking on that. So coaching changes are huge in this business. That's why the New York Jets uh, may, in double-digit rounds at the running back and wide receiver positions, be of great, great value because that team is uh, with a rookie quarterback and a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator. It's going to mean a lot uh, to those players. And while they may not be a successful team in the one-loss record, they could be a a real find for you in double-digit fantasy football rounds. Last fantasy question, Farrell. One sentence. Is the Aaron Rodgers situation scaring anyone off Packers in fantasy? Yes. Uh, There's been a drop uh, for Aaron Jones. There's been uh, a terrific drop for Adams. Yes, big drop. Okay. He's Farrell Elliott of the KFFSC. Farrell, tell us where we can uh, get in touch with you and uh, find you on the Internet so we can play Kentucky fantasy football this season. Hey, I'm in the car driving today, and I'd love to talk fantasy football with anyone in the area. The phone number is 502-523-5057. If you're not as old school as me and want to call up and talk about things, you can go to the website, kffsc.com, KentuckyFantasyFootballStateChampionship.com. And you can take a look at everything that we have to offer. You can look at our Facebook page and, and check us out on social media. You'll see pictures of the room and pictures of the players. There's a couple of pictures of handsome Brad Taylor standing around picking out trophies. It's a great experience. We'd love for everyone to come and play and to, to get a taste of a true competition in fantasy football.
You'll be hearing from my uh, lawyers about those pictures of me on your website. That's <laughs> that's Farrell Elliott. He's a great guy. He's got a great event. I could not recommend it anymore. KFFSC.com. Farrell, uh, we'll have you on all throughout the summer talking fantasy football with you. Thank you, sir. Look forward to it, Brad. Thank you. All right, buddy. That's Farrell Elliott of the KFFSC. Make sure to check him out online, KFFSC.com. And uh, we'll be right back. We'll get you ready for the day on ESPN Radio. And preview the Angelo Show, top of the hour, right here. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. We're late. We got to get out of here. Remember, at 140 today, game four of the Reds-Brewers series. Brewers minus 160 in this one. Good pitching matchup. Castillo versus Woodruff. Reds have a little value, but not much. This is a tough one today. And remember, 7 o'clock tonight, game three of the NBA Finals. Uh, Suns in Milwaukee against the Bucks. Bucks a minus four-point favorite in this one. Uh, favorites 51 and 36 against the spread in these playoffs. We'll take the Bucks in this one. Make sure to tune in. Top of the hour, the Angelo Show, right here on ESPN Radio. You can email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.